It's the Real Estate Podcast, across every state, city and town of Australia. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Podcast, available on iHeartRadio every morning, also on Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcast from. Well, it's another Friday, the 5th of August for 2022. I hope that it went fast this week for you. It went lightning fast for me. No sooner had Monday started, and here we are on a Friday heading into another weekend. Coming up this morning, we are talking with Rich Harvey, who is back, and we're looking at getting the right valuation and then not stuffing up your offer when submitting one. Pretty important stuff. If you're celebrating your business, birthday today for the 5th of August. Happy birthday. And I see from the history books on this day, Marilyn Monroe. Yes, it was on this day back in 1962 that she died. And also Richard Burton, 1984, same day. And I put Richard Burton in the same category as Oliver Reed. What a great lunch that would be, having the two of them at the same table. Certainly plenty of testosterone. From first home buyers to property investors and everything in between. Every morning on The Real Estate Podcast. We are just as addicted to property as you are. Every weekday morning from 6.30. It's the Main Centre Forecast with propertybuyer.com.au. Around Australia we go to look at your weather. Firstly, we go to Sydney expecting some sunshine today. 22 degrees is your forecast high. Melbourne, the rain is back with 15. Brisbane, look at the temperature 25 degrees and a sunny Friday and in Perth one or two showers with 15 degrees. It's the real estate podcast across Australia seven days a week. Let's talk property a podcast series with Rich Harvey. Well, there are many, many challenging decisions around purchasing a property, and one of the more stressful decisions is determining how much to actually offer on a property, which can cause a lot of anxiety and stress. And let's face it, in real estate, you're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars and even millions of dollars, and if your offer is wrong, it can be painful in so many different Different ways. And when it comes to determining value and your price offer, there are several options and ways to go about it, but not all of them are reliable. So to help us work out true value and make the best offer and put your best foot forward, let's bring in Rich Harvey from Buyer's Advocate and CEO of propertybuyer.com.au to help you understand the best process. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, Craig. Great to be with you again. Another busy week, of course, and in the middle of it, we've had another rate rise. You're right across that, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, there's no no doubt about the Reserve Bank checking rates up another half percent. I'm one of the 42 specialists that the Finder survey does and predicting what's going to be happening in the interest rate market. And we all, 100% of us said that rates would go up. Some were being even more bullish and saying it was going to go up 0.75, but uh, it went up 0.5 as expected. And I think from now on, you'll probably see a couple of 0.25% rises until we get to that sort of 2.5% cash rate. Mm. And so, as we know, there is so much property data available to people to source from. What's your thinking in the space of apps and online automated appraisals that are free services for people to use? 
Well, like anything in life, if it's free, you've got to ask how valuable is it? And look, I'll cut straight to the chase. I think that those automated appraisals um, and those things you get on the apps are seriously flawed and I wouldn't be relying on them to make an offer on a house. So these particular apps, they're based on algorithms and they use averages and they're based on machine-based learning and they see nothing of the property's nuances. They don't account for renovations or updates or, or proper comparable sales. And they, give, they spit out this figure that can be incredibly inaccurate. Look, they might give you some rough guide, but it's not a true reflection of the property you're looking at. And if you treat them as gospel, it could really, really penalise you. So in short, those automated vows are really not worth anything because they're free. Okay, so if automatic valuations are unreliable then, what would you suggest as another method that uh, you can recommend to people that is more accurate? Well, the best way to get a valuation done is by a certified registered valuer who's completely independent and that's regarded as the benchmark to work out a property's true value. And if you get a certified valuer, they've got to work under established guidelines. They're legally liable for their opinion and they deliver what's called a sworn valuation because the banks rely on those valuations to execute mortgage documents. So valuers have tertiary level qualifications. They're normally a member of like a professional association and they've got a particular strict code of conduct that they have to abide by. I reckon that you can basically really rely on the valuation that you get from a valuer. Now, two valuers will look at a property and probably come up with a different number, but it's not going to be wildly inaccurate like those apps that you talk about. I guess, Craig, on the downside, it's going to cost you money to get one of these valuation done. So for a standard residential valuation, it might cost you anywhere from you know, $700 to $1,000. It's worth the money if you want really, really accurate advice. When you're instructing a valuer, this is one little trick that I do myself, Craig, is that I'm instructing a valuer, I give them what I think are the most recent and relevant comparable sales. I literally do most of the work for them and I give them a report and I say, look, I know you're going to go and do your own analysis, but here's what I found and I hope that my analysis marries up with what you're going to do. For my two cents worth, I think it's very, very important that you get a valuation done and the banks will always get one done when they're offering a mortgage on the property you're buying. Yeah, so help steer them in the right direction. It's a good idea. So let's look at selling appraisals. Now, many people are, of course, familiar with these from selling agents who arrive onto a property. They do a walk around. They then do their comparable sales, etc. How much confidence do you put into a selling agent's appraisal? Well, I guess you've just got to ask the question firstly, who's the selling agent working for? Now, they're working for the vendor. So when you turn up to an open house, they'll often have, the selling agent will often have a list of properties that have sold in the area. Now, they'll try to label them as comparable, but all they are is just recent sales. There might be five and six bedroom houses where you're looking at a three bedroom house, for example. So they're not considered to provide what's called an arm's length comparison. Now, they're very well versed at pricing. They know the local market. They know it extremely well. But often their opinion might be slightly inflated because they're trying to either win the listing or encourage buyers to offer a higher number than what the true value is. As I said, they're representing the seller's interest. They're not beholden to you as the buyer. So while it might be valid, I would just say treat their appraisal with a lot of caution and I wouldn't always be listening to exactly their number because at the end of the day, it's your money that you're putting up there. Look, some agents, I've got to say, are extremely transparent and very honest about their pricing. Others will always overinflate. 
And look, others will underinflate the price. They'll do what's called underquoting. And this actually during the, the COVID period, there was a couple of laws that were brought out around underquoting, which we call bait pricing. So what I'm saying to the listeners out there is just be very careful about the motivation of who is providing the particular appraisal and what interest they've got in the property. And then, of course, there are many, many people who decide stuff. There's, I'll do it myself. I know the value of my property. So for perhaps best practice, what is your advice around that area for people that are going it alone? Yeah, I think we always reckon that we can do everything on our own. Um, Again, I'd be super cautious about determining your own value because there's um, a thing in economics called personal bias. And we often think something is either worth more or less depending on our own bias on the property. But there's a number of tools available if you want to do it on yourself. The things that I would do if I'm determining value on myself, I would attend all of the auctions in a local area for at least one to two months. I'd be tracking all the private treaties in those and the results in those suburbs and have a list of all of those properties and comments about them. So I'd be comparing the slope, the position, the internal size, the external condition, and then I'd be writing up, literally writing myself uh, my own valuation report. So just be careful when you're doing it yourself, because if you're just using those apps, as I say, that can really throw you off. By going and doing your own intel, going to the open homes, looking at what the agent says it's worth. I mean, the agent might say, hey, look, Rich, this property, we think it'll sell for 2.1, go to the auction and it sells for 1.8 million. And you go, hey, that's a $300,000 difference. Why did that happen? You know, well, it's market conditions. It's the number of bidders. It's where we're at in the property cycle. Obviously, in Sydney and Melbourne, prices are coming right back. So you've got to adjust your offer pricing depending on where everything's at in the market at the moment. So I'd say unless you're really experienced and a seasoned professional who does this sort of work every day, just be really careful about what value you put on it and sales results are the best measure to use. Mm. And let's have a look at the buyer's agent. This is your specialty particularly. How accurate are appraisals that have been completed by buyer's agents? Well, I can't speak for other buyers agents, but I can speak for my company and and how I've trained them and how we do things ourselves. We follow very strict valuation protocols, just like a valuer does. Um, When we prepare an appraisal, we're typically within two to three percent accuracy of what the end result will be. So my guys will go and visit the property that's called the subject property and then compare it to five or six other relevant recent comparable sales and write up that report. And as I said, we've got about 10 different factors that we look at when we're comparing the subject property to recently sold properties. So we'll be delivering a very honest and upfront assessment, very independent assessment for our client. And we probably spend around two to three hours preparing that report for our client. So we know the local area. We know what properties are selling for. And even having an understanding of of where the street is in comparison to other streets, like some streets closer to the shops and closer to the transport links are often going to be at a higher value to those that are a kilometre or two kilometres away. Uh, Often, Craig, it's called the golden triangle for some reason in certain suburbs. (laughs) It's a lingo. Um, So knowing where a property's positioned, knowing what what its aspect is and you know, knowing it's whether it's going to be in a damp gully, all of those things will, will come into a point. For us, we're unemotional about it and we can also have that added advantage when it comes to negotiating of being able to represent the client and really negotiate hard using our valuation skills and to, to get the best offer price we can for our client accepted. 
And finally, there are different ways to make an offer on a property, but what is the best way to actually do it? Now, some will do it verbally and others will do it in writing. And just as important, I think, is how should people structure and pitch their offers? This is the secret sauce, Craig. You're asking a really tough question here. You're asking me to give away all my secret sauce in one question, but I'm going to do it, right? Um, Here to help people. I think the first thing is I will make my offers both in verbally and in writing. Very important to make it in writing. But it's also really important to know what number to start with. And again, there's no one size fits all. What I do is the minute I start talking to the agent, they're gauging me and they're assessing, am I a serious buyer? That's what they'll do with you as the purchaser. They're going, is this person, Mr. A or B, Mrs. B, uh, a serious buyer? And how much money do they got? How interested and how emotionally attached are they to this property? So that's why it's really great having a buyer's agent because we remove that emotional aspect from negotiating. So you don't want to go in too low. You don't want to go in too high. I mean, if you put in a really, really cheeky lowball offer, you know what? The agent really just doesn't treat you seriously. Not to say I haven't done it, I've put in some cheeky lowball offers, but what that does, it can actually put the vendor really off and go, look, they're not serious buyers. And the agent goes, you know what, they're not serious, they're not really going to come up much. You've got to put in an offer that's going to get their attention and use it as a starting point for negotiations. Now, sometimes I've also put in an offer and I've said to the agent, Mr. Agent, this is a one-time offer. I'm not coming back to you with a second offer and I'm walking away if it's not accepted. But you've got to provide the context for how you make that offer. If you just stick an offer in and say nothing, they're not going to understand it's your best and final offer. Typically, it might come down to you putting in two, three or maybe four offers and knowing just how much to move up on each offer And getting some intel on who else is offering and what the level of their offers are is vitally important. So it's really important to stick to your knitting and stick to your guns and be a a confident and assertive buyer because if you're not, the agents will eat you for breakfast and you're going to be be overpaying uh, on the property. I mean, for us, um, a lot of people say, Rich, how do you know that the other offers are real? How do you know they're not just made up offers? And I say, look, I will ask the agent and ask them to send me an email crossing out the person's name, but showing me they've actually got an offer. And I can tell um, generally I've got a strong BS meter, Craig, so I can work <laughs> out if that, if that agent's telling me the truth or not. Make sure you pitch it at the right level, not too high, not too, too low, and make sure your offers are in writing. And most importantly, Craig, backed up by evidence. This is the thing. If you go and put an offer in at 1.2 and every other property sold at 1.5, the agent's not going to treat you seriously. But if you put it in at 1.2 and all the other sales are at 125, you know what? Yeah, they might just accept your offer. Good on you, Rich Harvey. There is a lot of information on a Friday morning for a takeaway. So enjoy the upcoming weekend. Look forward to catching you back again next Friday. Great, Craig. Thanks to be with you as always. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.